today on Abounding Grace. Paul is saying on every page, guys, why are you going backwards? You have the new covenant. You have it all. You don't need the priest or the sacrifices. Jesus died for you. He lives in you. Trust him. And I believe that's the word of the Lord for you. This is amazing grace. Live life to the fullest. How often have we heard that line? But it's generally linked to self-gratifying and self-centered motives and actions. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll learn how to live life to the fullest under the new covenant. This has everything to do with living for Christ from the inside out, diving deeper into knowing God and cherishing His forgiveness. I'm one of those guys that when I get some new gizmo, I want to figure out how to get the most out of it. Are you like that too? Well, let's see together how to maximize the new covenant as we figure out all of its features. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor in Hebrews chapter 8. The Bible warns us, Paul does in another place, he says, you know, there's coming a day when men and women won't endure sound doctrine. There's coming a day where, you know, there's just going to be this sense, he describes it as people, believers will have itching ears. You know, sometimes when you read that, you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, other people will have itching ears. Please don't ever read that ever again thinking it's talking about someone else. It's talking about you. It's talking about me. That life will become so routine in many ways. That that even our worship of God has such a temptation to become so routine that our ears will start itching for something new, something fresh. I mean, you think about it in the context of even this church, your church family where for the last almost 20 years, we have basically done the same thing every time we've gathered. We've come together, we've sung together, we study the Bible together, and then we head off into the world to make a difference. And and you have, for some of you, you have been here from the beginning, so you've been here a long time, and and maybe along the way you've just wondered, I wonder, you know, let's go to church this week, and we have, but you know what, it's just going to be Ed, and he's going to share his old dumb jokes, and you know, I didn't listen, laugh at the first time, and you know, he's going to use the same illustrations, and you know, maybe there's something new out there. Well, there always is something new out there. But that's not the real question. The real question is, where does God want you to grow in his grace and knowledge? That's the real question. But you can get an itching ear. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, because you got to ask. If you do ask that question, you go, well, you know what, Ed? Uh, if I come next week, if I come next year, if the Lord tarries, what, you, what will you be doing? I will be doing the exact same thing I'm doing right now. Whether one person shows up or a thousand people show up, it makes no difference to me. I will fulfill the call of God on my life to teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, yielding myself to the best of my ability, exercising the gift of pastor, teacher, working our way through the Bible so that God can use the Bible in your life by the Holy Spirit to change you. That will happen every week, week after week, month after month, year after year. And you know what? I'm not going to have any new jokes. I'm horrible at it, but I'll tell you this, just a little word. If I get one, even a slight laugh, even if I hear a baby burp at one of my jokes, (laughs) 
I will keep trying. I will keep trying so that we can be relatable. But do you know that my jokes don't save anyone? Or my illustrations don't save anyone? That they might help keep you together, give you an illustration where you can grasp it. For example, let me give you an illustration when it comes to the Old and New Covenant. When we think of the Old Covenant, you know, if we were to go down to the airport, which I did a couple days ago, I dropped my daughter off at the airport. If I go down to the airport and we went into the terminal and we started looking through the windows, one thing that we'd see a lot of is airplanes. We would see a lot of airplanes there on the, on the ground. A lot of them are boarding people and boarding passengers. And as they're there, their wheels are on the ground and the planes are there and they are, their wheels are on the ground because of a natural law, the law of gravity. And the reason they're not in the air is because they are now bound by the law of gravity, which makes sense. And, and it's important that the law of gravity take place so that the planes can be there, so that people can board, so the pilots and the flight attendants can get on and get everything ready. But there comes that moment, doesn't there, where the same plane that's held right now by the law of gravity, they push it back onto the runway. You know, they kind of turn it around and they go and they get on the runway. And as they pick up speed, they begin to take off and they, the planes take flight. And immediately... They are now subject to a new law, the laws of aerodynamics, the, the laws of lift and thrust. There, there's a higher law. Now, as a plane takes off into the air, subject to the laws of aerodynamics and lift and thrust, does that mean gravity doesn't exist anymore? Yes or no? Of course not. The law of gravity still exists, but the plane and the engineers and those that do such things have figured out a way to take passengers and take them up into the air. I mean, tons and tons of weight. And, and they can fly hours and hours, eventually landing once again, subjecting themselves to the law of gravity. And that happens over and over and over again. You see, there's a higher law that will release that plane and its passengers from the law of gravity. And that's the way it is with Jesus Christ. The way it is with Jesus Christ is that by faith, you and I are lifted up above the gravity, if you will, of the law of sin and death. Therefore, making us free to live for Jesus in his finished work, where he does the work on the inside. You know, a lot of churches today, unfortunately, a lot of believers are only focused on the outside. Change this behavior, change that behavior, stop doing this and stop doing that. While that may be, that may be the wise thing for you to do, the real decision to make is to commit your life, repent of your sins and commit your life to Jesus Christ so that he will do the work inside. You see, we're always looking to change the outside and you might be successful at changing the outside and still be corrupt on the inside. God does the opposite. He says, this is what I'm gonna do. I am going to put my laws in your mind. I'm going to speak to you on the inside, in your brain, the way you think. Remember, what you believe is going to dictate how you behave. So God goes after the mind. He renews the mind. He cleanses the mind. And he deposits in our mind the very mind of Christ. Imagine that. A radical change. Then, what does he do? He then begins to write his law on your heart. In another place, Jeremiah says that God will remove your stony heart. 
speaking of the old covenant, and replace it with a heart of flesh. Now, of course, he's using a metaphor here. He's not talking about the pumping muscle in your body. He's talking about what the Hebrews, uh, what the Jewish people and the Greeks understood when you use the word heart, that that speaks of the sum of you, who you are. God says, I will change the sum of who you are. More than that, what God says is that in the new covenant, I will dwell in you. God, the Holy Spirit. You know, we often use a language, I'm coming to church, I'm leaving church, but you know by now this is just a building. You are the church. The Bible says that you are now the temple of the living God and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And when you walk in the Spirit, when you're living in the Spirit, you're living according to the newness of life. And when you choose to act out in the flesh, speak of the flesh, think in the flesh, then you are going backwards to that heart of stone. Now, this is very, very important to me personally because when I think of my testimony, this is a big part of God's confirmation in my life. You know, when you get to those times where you just wonder, man, I don't know, Lord, and I'm wrestling right now, and, and God takes you all the way back and reminds you, you're saved. Don't forget, you're saved. Don't you forget. And everyone has a testimony and has a God story. Mine is multifaceted, but I was thinking, you know, it's hard to describe for you. And it's hard for me to even understand looking back of just how hard my, how hard my heart was as an unbeliever. I don't know any other way to describe it other than to say I was a guy that just didn't care. I didn't care. I'd use that phrase. I don't care. Something's going to happen. I don't care. You just hurt Marie. I don't care. You just made your son. I don't care. Your parents. I, don't, I would just live with this sense of I just don't care. My heart was so hard. The feelings for others that I had was so insensate. I had no sense. No sense of feeling. I, I didn't care about anyone. And, and even, you know, sometimes a, a person like that, well, you, you know, you probably cared for yourself. I didn't care for myself either. The behavior that I was in was hurting everyone around me, including myself. I didn't care. <laughs> you know, I think about it in an in a illustrative way of just thinking, you know, the, the book by Dr. Seuss, The Grinch. Like, the guy didn't care, man. He, I felt like the Grinch. Like, my heart was just so hard. It was a heart of stone. I mean, even if one of your kids came and tried to sell me Girl Scout cookies, oh, you know, like I want to go on a trip, and if I, you know, if you just bought one more box, I'm not buying no box. I don't care if you go on the trip or not. That's how I was. Wow, Ed, I know. I just didn't care. And, and that evening, on a Wednesday night, when the gospel was preached to me, and an invitation was given, and I responded to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and God saved my soul one thing that happened that night, that moment, is what the Bible says, that he took out my heart of stone and he put in a heart of flesh, his heart. He took out that hardness and he put in a heart. He, he began to write his law on my mind and he began to work on my heart. And you know, this is what I found. There's a progressiveness of learning how to love and care for people. And the longer you walk with Jesus, the more you care, not the less. <laughs> The more you learn of life's ills and difficulties, the more situations break your heart. 
The more that you're watching the difficult, the more, as we were speaking with Pastor Ian and Katie on Wednesday, the more your heart breaks for the orphans and the widows. The more you want to enter in and help kids and help families and help a broken and a lost world. The less you look on the outside, the less you look on the color of the skin or the nationality or the language that's spoken. Those things, those, those, are, those, those types of differences come from hard hearts because soft hearts only see souls in the shadow of the cross. And you can only grow in your love for others. And that's one of the things that I appreciate the most of all that God has done in my life. Giving me a love for my parents before they went into eternity that only grew. Giving me a love for my wife and my son and my two other children. Giving me a love for people that I'd never felt before and continuing to see that grow. That's the new covenant. The new covenant is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not you studying hard. It's not you learning some man-centered theology where you're just, now you've got it all focused and you've got, you know, if anyone ever comes to you and then says they have an answer for every question you have in the Bible, reject them. There's a lot of mystery in the Bible. God has reserved, like you cannot know everything there is to know about God. Did you know that? Because the second you do, you're as smart as God. Now, there is a time promised where we will know even as we are known, but that's eternity. That's not now. And so the reality, come back to Hebrews 8. I want to show you one more thing because this is so cool. The new covenant. You have been brought over the gravity of the law. It's still there and still serves a purpose. But notice, come back to Hebrews 8 now. A couple things I want you to notice. When you think of that illustration, you know, by the way, as we were sharing earlier, even that illustration doesn't save anybody. It only helps you to understand that you are now free from the bondage of the law of sin and death. You're free. And notice at the end in Hebrews, at the very last verse there, it says that as he's speaking to these Hebrews being tempted to go backwards, it says in verse 13, in that he says a new covenant, he's made the first obsolete. It still exists, but it's obsolete. It's been replaced. That's why anyone trying to lay a trip on you to go back to the law where you're missing something, you're not worshiping properly, don't do it. The Bible says it's been made obsolete. You now relate to God through the new covenant. It's his work, not your work. It's his heart, not your heart. It's his mind, not your mind. He says, now that is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. But it's still there because it still serves a purpose. But one of the benefits in verse 11 of this new covenant is that he says, none of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, know the Lord for, we sh for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. You see, God in you means that the author of the Bible lives inside of you. The author of the Bible lives his life inside of you. And that's powerful because it's really good to know the author of the book. It's really good to know the author, to be instructed by the author. It's such a blessing to know where the Holy Spirit will open up my understanding of a passage that he is the only true teacher. Maybe I've wrestled with it. Maybe I've wrestled with the Greek or the Hebrew and I've looked at it from the human perspective and I've prayed over it, but suddenly the Holy Spirit gives you understanding and teaches you. You have the same Holy Spirit. 
He is ready to teach you and lead you and speak to you because it is infinitely, it's good to have the book, but it's really good to have the author. Now, this happened to me on a practical way just recently. I've been reading a book since really early on in my Christian walk as I was overseeing and leading in at Calvary Chapel in Downey, California. I'd actually heard this book mentioned by Pastor Skip Heitzig when I used to get weekly mailings of his cassette tape teachings. And I would listen to the teachings every week. And he had mentioned this book. And it's a great book. The title of it was Well-Intentioned Dragons. And it's a great book on how to serve and minister to people in the church. Now, they've changed the title recently. And get this, here's the new title. How to Minister to Problem People in the Church. And you read that, you go, yeah, I need to get that. There's a lot of problem people in the church. Listen, we're all problems. And it's a great book because he teaches us how to minister in difficult situations the very love of Jesus Christ, how not to give up on people, how, how to be gracious with people. And I've been reading this book for 26 plus years. Now, it's also a tool that we use in our school ministry. So recently, they're reading this book in the school ministry. And as we were talking about it, for some reason, I said, man, it would be really nice to meet the author. I want to talk to him one day. This book has so impacted my life on how to serve in the church. And one of the brothers, he says, hey, he's in Denver. Really? Yeah, he's teaching over at Denver Seminary. And I said, well, do you know him? He says, no, I mean, I know how to talk to him. I know where he's at. I don't know him very well. I met him and I said, well, next time you see him, tell him that I would love to meet him, that I'll buy him lunch because it'd be worth the hour and a half. And I'd just love to meet him and thank him for this book. And he says, okay, so that happened. After a couple of weeks, we met. Last week, I met him across town. We sat down, shared a meal together. And and I got to meet the author of, of a book that's really impacted me. And you know what we didn't talk about? We didn't talk about his book. We talked about life and we talked about the Lord because there's something about knowing the author and having a relationship with the author that's more important than the book. It's more important than the book. Oh, one day we'll talk about the book for sure. But it was great to get to know him, to hear his story and he hear my story, even in the short time to express appreciation for what, he did, for, for what he wrote and thank you and all the time and what he learned and maybe the next time. And that, that's something important that I want you to understand when it comes to the Bible. Because the Bible sometimes in a believer's life actually replaces the relationship with the author. What I mean is that people have a relationship more with the book than they do with God. And that's not his intention. His intention is not for us to worship the book. We worship Jesus Christ. We have a relationship with the author. He lives inside of you. So any difficulty you have with the Bible, the author's inside of you. You can lean on him, look to him, receive from him, that he's ready to speak. But the desire, you know, as I shared before, you know, when I write one of those baby dedication books, I write a little note. I I, I always put, God has given, uh, given you the Bible so you can get to know him better. You can get to know him better. That's why God's given you the Bible. He hasn't given you the Bible to be a theologian. He hasn't given you the Bible to figure out what everyone has ever said for the last 2,000 years. He's given you and me the Bible so that he can teach us of his great love. And so we use the Bible. We appreciate the Bible, but we love the author. He's far greater. I want to end with this, something I read from commentator, Pastor John Corson. And I think it just really hits and something for us to chew on. Let me quote. Today, sad to say, many don't understand the new covenant. 
our Trinity has become God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. We've lost touch with how the Holy Spirit speaks to us moment by moment because we've replaced his voice with the written word. Many churches and organizations study the Bible and are right in their theology, but they're dead right because there's, theirs is a knowledge just for knowledge's sake. The New Testament was never intended to be an esoteric, intellectual, theological trip for people who like to fill notebooks, answer questions, and work on workbooks. That was never the intent of the New Testament writer. So what was the intent? To provide a way believers could be confirmed or corrected in what they already are living out as a result of obeying the still, small voice of the Spirit. The person who's really used by the Lord is the one who simply says, God, you're telling me moment by moment what I should do, and I'll just say yes to whatever you say. A whole lot of people have made the New Testament writings the new law, like the Pharisees, searching for jots and tittles and interesting insights. They failed to see the word was simply written to nudge them along in their walk and to confirm the voice of the Lord in their heart, end quote. May it never be said of us that we have replaced the Holy Spirit with the written word. The Trinity, the God, in, God revealed in three persons is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he wants to speak to you now from the inside out, confirming to you from his word the way to go and the way to live. No longer do you need to look to a priest or to a pastor or to a church or even to one another. God lives in you. You look to him. Pastor Ed Taylor is developing his study of Hebrews right now on Abounding Grace. Thanks for taking part in today's Bible study. To hear it again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com, or you can hear us through our app. Simply search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play and download the free app today. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts. Pastor Ed, I am really excited about this month's resource. It's 5-Minute Apologetics for Today. How have you found this to be useful, and how might it be helpful to our listeners? Well, Larry, a favorite author of mine is Ron Rhodes, and he's most commonly known for his books, Reasoning from the Scriptures. And then he takes the Bible, Reasoning from the Scriptures with Jehovah's Witnesses, with Mormons, with Muslims, and such powerful tools to learn not only what you believe and why you believe it, but also how to talk to somebody without offending them in this area of disagreement. And that's really a, a difficulty that we all have where people love to argue, but the reality is, is, is that it's not so much an argument as, it, as much as it is a discussion, because the truth will always win out. The truth always will win out. The question is, well, will somebody submit their lives to it? So this is an equipping book, and that's why we pick these. That's why I, cho I personally choose these resources that will help you grow in grace. And this book, 5-Minute Apologetics, is broken down. It could be used as a Devo. It's broken down into 365 quick answers to key questions. And Christians sometimes come across objections about the Bible they don't know how to answer. Maybe that's you. You don't know how to answer. 
They don't know where to look to or how to find things. I mean, we have a whole dedicated show here on Grace FM here in Colorado that we call Calvary Live. That's a live call-in show where we answer these types of questions. So believers, it's easy to get confused about doctrine and not having the right information. And Ron Rhodes puts together in very simple, understandable terms, answers to skeptics, answers to those arguing with the scriptures, topics like atheistic objection to Christianity, evolution versus creationism, uh, alleged contradictions or general accusations against the Bible. You know how that goes. Uh, Somebody doesn't have an answer, so they start to put down the Bible, but they've never read it. But that's not even a sufficient answer. Uh, You'll be able to, to gain sufficient answers on the truth, relativism, absolute truth, ethical issues, I'd encourage you to pick it up. It's a great addition. Uh, you help if you get it from us. Of course, you're going to help support Abounding Grace. We could use your support, but no, doesn't matter. Wherever you get it, get it somewhere. And we have actually a store now that you can order it. Uh, you can order it on CalvaryCO.store. CalvaryCO.store. And the neat thing is, is all the resources come through. You, you know, however you end up getting it, uh, all the resources go right back into ministry. Isn't that awesome? Get this book. I suggest you get the book every month. Every book we recommend will help you build your spiritual library. Again, that's 5-Minute Apologetics for Today by Ron Rhodes. We'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Call us at 877-30-GRACE to request this special offer. That's 877-30-GRACE. Join us each day on Abounding Grace as we go and grow through a study in Hebrews with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.